All right, uh, quick show of hands this morning. Uh, how many of you as children uh, got into your fair... Now, wait, let me, let me preface this. If you were still a child, don't answer this question because your parents are next to you, okay? Um, how, how many of you as children got into your fair share of trouble? Show of hands, show of hands. Keep them up, let other people see. You, you got to own that, people. Okay, all right, all right, good. Okay, so, so for you troublemakers like myself, I want to ask a follow-up question. Um, and the follow-up question is this. Do you remember when your parents were the most upset with you? Do you remember when they were the most upset with you, okay? Uh, because I do. I've, I've, it's like crystal clear. I, I know the times when my parents were the most upset with me because all of those times had a phrase attached to them that went something like this. You should have known what? Better. Right? So you guys have been there too, right? You should have known better, right? If I heard that phrase, man, I knew I was in trouble. And I knew I was in trouble because I had done something that I had already been warned about, already been disciplined about, those kind of things, right? I should have known better. Well, this morning as we continue our study, lies we believe and the truth that sets us free, we're going to look at a lie that frankly, as believers in Jesus, we should know better than believe Yet the truth is we often still buy into it, okay? And so I'm going to ask, join me in a word of prayer as we prepare our hearts uh, to receive the Lord's word, okay? Um, Father, we are so thankful for you allowing us to gather here. Um, God, we just do, we, we, we declare, like, like you are our living hope. We, we don't put our trust in chariots. We don't put our trust in horses. We don't put our trust in, in 401ks. We're not going to put our trust in a house. We're not going to put our trust in, in a spouse. We're going to put all of our hope in you, Jesus, because we know who you are, and we know whom we have believed in, and we know that you are able Okay, and so this morning, Jesus, we come before you and, and, and we're asking, um, Lord Jesus, that by the power of your spirit, that you would do a work in us that we could not have imagined when we got out of bed this morning, right? Because we got out of bed this morning, some of us came here and we came here because that's what we're supposed to do. Some of us came here because our spouse said, hey, you need to get your butt up and go to church, right? Some of us came here because a friend called us and said, you really need to go. But the truth is that behind all of those things, Holy Spirit, it was you that was 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 pulling on our spirit. Get out of bed and get to church. I've got a word for you. And so Holy Spirit, we want to pause right now, invite you to come and take your place as our teacher and our God. We want to pray that you would uh, lift up and exalt the name of Jesus Christ and that Jesus, as you are exalted, that you would um, call us to yourself. We ask right now that you would search our hearts, oh God, that you would see if there was any sin within us, that you would point it out lovingly, hopefully, and, and that you would restore us unto yourself, that we might leave here completely transformed and changed from when we came in. And, and we ask all of these things in Jesus' powerful and precious name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, so what is this lie? What is this lie that as Christians we shouldn't buy into? We should know better than to believe, but we believe it anyway. Here it is. Ready? My sin isn't a big deal, right? My sin isn't a big deal. And what I hate about this lie is just how childish it makes me feel. It takes me back to all those scoldings as a kid when my parents were going, you should know better. Because the truth is, in Christ Jesus, I should know better than to believe that my sin is not a big deal. But if I'm being completely honest with you, my attitude towards my own sin often reveals that I've bought into this lie. I'm the only one here. That, that's the issue, right? Just me? It's okay. I'll preach to myself this one. Preach to myself. It's okay. 
So I, I think our attitudes reveal to us, if, if, if we're true, our attitude towards sin actually revealed to us that we may have bought into this lie more than we believe. And so this morning, what I want to do, because we should know better, instead of attacking this lie like we have all the other lies, which basically we throw up the lie and then we kind of disprove the lie with Scripture. and we give. So, so this morning, instead of, of just disproving the lie, what I want to do is I want to talk to you uh, about why I believe as believers we buy into this lie. Uh, because I, I think it's dangerous. I think some of those things we try to wrap up even in, 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 in the Bible. And so uh, this morning, let's try to do that. So I'm going to give you three reasons that even though we know, uh, or we should know better, we, we still buy into this lie. So here's the first reason, okay? Because we often misunderstand and we abuse the grace of God. The first reason that we, we buy into this lie that our sin is not a big deal is because we misunderstand and sometimes even abuse the grace of God. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm gonna ask you to open them up to the book of Romans, uh, to the book of Romans chapter five, uh, the book of Romans chapter five. Excuse me, uh, book of Romans chapter five. And um, I'm gonna start in... Uh, I'm going to start in verse 18 eventually. And so as, as you turn there, um, I, I just want to, I want to talk to you a little bit about salvation as we work our way to Romans chapter 5. And so here's what the truth of Scripture says. And, and I'm going to say it a couple times because if you want to write it down, I want you to understand that the Bible says clearly that we are completely, entirely, and absolutely saved by the grace of God. So we have to start there. When we talk about grace and any kind of misunderstanding about grace, we need to start here. We're absolutely, okay, we're absolutely um, completely and entirely saved by the grace of God, all right? Ephesians 2.8 says it uh, this way, uh, Ephesians 2.8 and 9.4, you are saved by grace, all right? So we, we have to, again, we, we, we are saved completely, entirely, absolutely by the grace of God. It says, so you are saved by grace through faith. Faith is the vehicle by which we fall into the saving grace of God. It is the grace of God that saves us. Um, and it says, it's not of yourselves, it, it is the gift of God. And, and when this occurs, when by faith we fall into the saving grace of God, um, something happens in the sight of God. At that moment, we are legally declared in God's sight as righteous, okay? We, we are legally declared in God's sight as righteous. God accepts at that moment Jesus' perfect life and sacrificial death on the cross as a payment for our sin, okay? And, and, and he counts that, he accepts that payment as our, for, for our sin of the past, for our sin of the present, and for our sin of the future. And that's what, that's what grace is, Okay, the grace of God, when, when, when we come um, through faith and we fall into the grace of God, we are saved from all the sins of our past, from any sin that we might commit right now, and from any sin that we may commit in the future. That means grace is kind of a big idea, right? Grace is, is a big deal, and, and so that means this grace of God thing is huge, but it also brings up some questions, right? If that is the case, if when I believe in Jesus, uh, the grace of God saves me from all of, of my sin, of the past, of the present, and, and the future, if that perfect record of Jesus is bestowed upon me, and I'm declared righteous and from, from everything, then do I, as a Christian, really have to do anything? Right? It, it doesn't matter anymore. Because Jesus has come, and, and he died on the cross, and I put my faith and trust in him. And so God has declared that I'm a child of God. He says, you are saved, and you can't lose that salvation. Right? I have paid, I've covered the sins of the past, the sins of the present, and all the sins you'll commit in the future. So the question that rises up in us, well, then does sin really matter anymore? Is sin even a big deal? Right? I want you to know this is an age-old debate. It began all the way back in the garden when the serpent said to Eve, surely you won't die. He's like, he's like, listen, sin's not a big deal, Eve. 
It's just not a big deal. And, and I want you to know that, that you're not the first person, if you're here today and you go, man, oh, I don't like where this is heading because I feel like it's got a little bit of me in it. And I don't know, I don't want the pastor talking to me this way. I just want you to know that you're not the first Christian uncomfortable or found up, uh, wrapped up in this debate. In fact, Paul wrote to uh, the church. In, in, uh, and, and so he writes to Romans and I'm in Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 18, and he's talking about this exact thing. So this pull, this, um, this strain is something that Christians have been uh, feeling and going through for years. And so uh, Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 18, says, So then, as through one trespass, there is condemnation for everyone. He's talking about Adam's sin. So also through one righteous act, there is justification leading to life for everyone. For just as through one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so also through the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. The law came along to multiply the trespass, but where sin uh, multiplied, get this, grace multiplied even more. Let me say that again. There should be some amens, right? But, but where sin multiplied, Paul says grace multiplied even more. So that, um, just as uh, just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul says, starting in chapter 6, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? It's like, hey, that's a normal question. You say, like, listen, where, where sin multiplied, grace increased. So therefore, should we just kind of keep living in sin so that grace may continue to increase so that we might continue to receive the grace of God? And here's this answer in verse 2. Absolutely not. Like, absolutely not. He says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. He says, listen, maybe you didn't get this when you were baptized. Maybe you were unaware of this, but when you were baptized, you were actually baptized into the death of Christ and you were raised up into the new life of Christ. So, 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 so when you were baptized, we were actually saying, I'm dying to my old way of life. I'm, I'm now living in Christ. I'm done with that sin thing, right? Like that's, that's the picture. He says, maybe you're unaware of, of that. He goes on, verse 5, 4, if, if we've been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also uh, be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also uh, live with him, because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all time, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires, and do not offer any part of your body to sin as weapons for unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness, as we, we fight this spiritual battle, offer all of your body as weapons of righteousness to God, for sin will not rule over you, because you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Again, here comes the question. Well, what then? Should we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Again, absolutely not. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But thank God that although you used to be slaves to sin, you obeyed from the heart 
that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over, and having been set free from sin, you became now enslaved to righteousness. And so Paul says this. He says, listen, man, guys, where, where, where sin increased, right, because of the law, and we began to know our trespasses, and, and sin began to increase, he says, man, the grace of God multiplied even more. And, and so then he answers the question that the people that... Now imagine the, the church originally receiving this text. And they, they, they would think after that, well, well then well, does it matter? Like, he, he goes, like, I know you're going to ask this question. Well, does it matter then? Okay. And, and so he says, well, well, what should we say? Should we just keep on sinning? And he answers, absolutely not. Right? You don't keep on sinning. Don't you know that you were baptized with Christ? And when you were baptized, you, you said you died to your old way of life and you were raised to newness of life. And so, so you're not bound by sin any longer. You're not slaves to sin. You're slaves to something else. You're now slaves to life and life in Christ. That's what you are. So he so says, you've got to live that way. And so Paul says, absolutely not. Don't do that. Verse 11, uh, he says this. Uh, so you two consider yourselves then dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And then um, it closes with verse uh, 12 and 14. And so here, here's what he's saying. Ready? Paul's telling the church, uh, don't have an improper view of grace. Right? Don't be those people that go out into the world because you are forgiven and abuse your forgiven nature, right? Don't, don't abuse the grace of God. Don't walk out into the world and say, well, it doesn't matter what I do. And Paul's saying, like, it really does matter what you do. And so I want to clear up some things, like legally speaking, uh, I, I, want to, I want to tell you something, this is really, really important. So you just need to know this. Legally speaking, okay, now that you are in Christ, if you're here and you're a Christian, you've been saved by the grace of God, I want you to know, well, what happens when I'm a Christian and I sin? Ready? Here, I, I want to walk you through that. When you're a Christian and you sin, just because you sin, your sonship cannot be removed. Okay? You, don't, you can't lose your sonship. You can't, you can't suddenly become, well, I'm no longer a daughter of God because I'm... So what I'm, I'm telling you, your legal standing before God is unchanged when, as a Christian, you choose to sin. Legal standing is still unchanged. You're still declared righteous in the sight of God. You still get to be with God forever, okay? So your sonship is unchanged. But I want to tell you three things that are changed when you sin. This is why sin's a big deal. Ready? First and foremost, your fellowship with God has changed. Your sonship is not changed. It's unchanged. You're still declared righteous. But your fellowship with God is, is damaged. When we choose to ignore sin, when we choose to say, listen, my sin's not a big deal. It doesn't matter anymore. Jesus died for my, for my sins of the past, for my sins of the present, my sins of the future. I'm covered by grace. And when you choose to live that way and, and ignore the call of Scripture to walk in obedience to Christ, like, like it affects your, your fellowship, your intimacy with God. Now, the word for that in Greek is koinonia. Koinonia. And it speaks of, of a divine intimacy. It's a kind of intimacy that, that a husband and a wife have. And friends, what, what, what I'm telling you is like those moments when you find yourself in worship and you don't want the lights to come back on and you don't want the song to stop and you don't want the sermon to stop. And those moments when you get up early and you open the Bible and you're like, Lord, I, I'm kind of praying my kids sleep in today because I'm hearing from you and I don't want that to stop. Those moments that, that you find yourself in intimate fellowship with somebody and the Holy Spirit is present and you know that the Holy Spirit is present and you just feel the Holy Spirit your life and like I don't want this to stop please don't stop singing please don't stop speaking God I don't want to move and and that intimacy that koinonia that that kind of relationship with Jesus is broken when we choose to sin the fellowship is is broken the intimacy is not there it's not listen to what the prophet Isaiah says he says but your iniquities your sins are separating you from your God Right? 
And, and your sins, get this, they have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. I just want to speak to you, maybe I'm the only one in the room that's ever felt that way, but have you ever been that, that Christian that you're dutifully like still reading your Bible and you're praying, but you just feel like everything's bouncing off the ceiling? You ever been in those moments that you just feel like you are trying, but you are so dry like God is not there. The intimacy is gone. It, it, it's just not what it's supposed to be. The love relate, like it's just not happening. And, and you want to know what I say to people when they come to me and say, like, that's where I am, pastor. I, I ask them some questions. And when I say, well, hey, like, are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? And a lot of times they'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it. Or no, I'm not. And kind of walk them through that. So we got to be doing those things. But you'd be shocked how many people are trying to seek out the Lord. Man, they're trying, they're trying to read their Bible, they're trying to pray, but they still feel this, this broken fellowship. And so I say to them, can I ask you a question? Is there any unconfessed sin in your life? Because if there's unconfessed sin in your life, it has damaged your fellowship with God and he's hidden his face from you. It's not that you're not his child. It's not that he doesn't love you. It's that, he, that sin is a big deal. Sin is a big deal. And so God is just choosing to kind of hold that off, right, at a distance. And so I, I tell people, like, listen, you, you have to confess. Now, now here's the beauty, First John 1, 9. If we confess that sin, he's faithful and just. He forgives us of the sin and purifies us of all unrighteousness. That intimacy, that fellowship is restored, okay? So, so sin is a big deal because it affects our fellowship. Not only does it affect our fellowship, sin's a big deal because the Bible says it affects our fruitfulness, Right? Our fruitfulness. There's no slide for this. You just got to jot them down. Right? So it affects our fruitfulness. What do you mean? I mean doing things that matter. Right? I, I, I realize, like, I get your frustration because I'm the pastor. I know that the people in the church, uh, you guys are super talented. You do great things out in the world. And then you come to church. And you're like, how can I serve? How can I do great things? We're like, you want to clean some toilets? You want to greet some people at the door? Like, we, we don't always offer you great things to do, right? We, we want to do better at that. But, but, but many Christians, they want to do great things for the Lord. And, and so they get frustrated. Well, well, well I, why can't I do anything that matters, right? Listen to what the Bible says about doing things that matter. Um, John 15, 5, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do Nothing. Nothing. So I want you to understand when, when you're choosing to sin, you're choosing to not, not walk in intimacy with Christ. If you're not remaining in Christ, if you're not abiding in Christ, you cannot be fruitful. You can do things. We'll talk about that in a second. You can do things, but those things won't necessarily last. Those things won't necessarily last. And so I want you to know that sin affects um, your fruitfulness, right? Um, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 um, the Apostle Paul's still writing, I'm in verse 11, he says this, he says, for no one can lay any other foundation than that which has been laid down. And the foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work uh, that he has built survives, he's gonna receive re reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, okay? So here's the third thing it affects. So first of all, our sin affects our fellowship. Second of all, uh, it uh, affects our fruitfulness. And here's the last one, ready? Uh, it affects our reward. It affects our reward. So this is what Jesus says, and this is why that ties into the previous point. I can't do anything without Christ. Anything I choose to do without Christ, even though Christ is my foundation, even though I'm saved, and if you read the end of this, it says, if anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved. So it's like their foundation is Christ. They're saved. But all the stuff they do outside of Christ, they're building with wood, hay, and straw. 
right? And it says at the day of judgment, like God is going to test that work. And if you've built with wood, hay, or straw, if you have worked for the Lord and you've done it out of your flesh and not out of the spirit, that stuff is going to be burned up. And the only stuff that remains will be the stuff that's done in, 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 in gold and silver and precious metals and precious stones. Like he's like Jesus on this day of refinement, like that's all going to be laid bare. That's all going to be like, guys, it's just big stuff. And so listen, we, we, we often, um, I, I believe we buy in to this lie. Um, we say my sin's not a big deal because we misunderstand. We must understand the grace of God. Sometimes we even abuse it. Here's the second reason I, I think we buy into this lie, okay? And we have a tendency to compare sins, right? We think my sin's not a big deal because I compare my sin to, to other sins. And, and really the comparison happens in two camps. Uh, the first camp is I compare my sin with my sin with my sin of my past, right? I say, like, we talked about this last week. Man, I'm, I'm a pretty good person now. Man, I used to be. Let me tell you how I used to be. I used to be this. I used to be that. I, I, I cussed like a sailor. I got drunk every weekend. I smoked 20 packs a day. Like, man, I used to be a sinner. But now I'm pretty good. I go to church. I mean, I read my Bible occasionally. I only hit my kids every once in a while. I don't hit them hard. God, I told you I'm pretty good. So we compare our, our current sins to our past sins, and we be like, oh, I'm pretty good. Now, the other way we compare, of course, is that we compare our sins to other people's sins, right? And this is the one that, that Jesus is not pleased with. He's <laughs> like, who are you to point out the speck in your brother's eye when you've got this big plank in yours? I, I want you to hear what the Apostle Paul says. Um, this is kind of a big deal, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, for we don't dare classify or compare ourselves with someone who commend themselves. It's like, we, we, we just don't do that. That's not who we are. He says, but in measuring themselves, speaking to these other people, what they do, uh, but in measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves to themselves, they lack understanding. And Paul's like, Christians don't do that. Like, Christians don't do that. And so I'm going to say this to you. Maybe I'm the first person that ever said this in your life. Um, uh, s- comparison is sin. All right? Comparison in that, in that, in that sake is always going to be sin. Comparing your life, comparing your station life, all those kinds, like that, that's going to be sin unto you. Okay, and, and so it, it, it's, it's, it's sin for me to compare myself to where I used to be and go, man, I'm pretty good now. I used to be bad. It's also sin for me to compare myself to other people and be like, well, man, I'm killing it in comparison to them, right? Because I'm, I'm building up pride and self-righteousness and those things are not of God, all right? But I want to tell you this. The Bible does say there is one whom you can compare yourself to if you're just itching to compare, ready? Hebrews 12, too. If you've got to compare yourself to somebody, here it is. Keep your eyes on Jesus then, Right? The, the source and the perfecter of faith. Say, man, you want to compare? I'll give you somebody to compare yourself to. Look up to Jesus. Like, that's who you compare to. I, I heard this um, this week. Uh, I was listening to podcasts. I don't even remember which one it was, but it was talking about um, Christ. And it was said, you know, those of us that have ever experienced snow, uh, anybody that kind of lives, and we, hey, we got some last year, right? So let's imagine your house is white, and you're thinking, man, my house looks pretty good. Like, the paint looks pretty good. I think I'm killing it, right? And then all of a sudden, it snows. And that pure white falls from heaven, and when it sits up against your white house, you go, oh, my house is dingy. Man, my house needs some work, right? So that's the way it is with Jesus. So if you want to compare, then just compare yourself, put yourself up against the perfect life of Jesus Christ, and be like, oh, wait, I'm not killing. Sorry, Lord. (laughs) My, My bad, right? My bad. And so one of the reasons that we say my sin is not bad is because we compare our sin to the wrong places. We compare our sin to, to my past life. We compare our sin to my neighbor, to my family, to so-and-so in my Sunday school class, to that other person that sits a few rows back from me in the pew. I'm like, I'm killing it in comparison to them. And the Bible says, you want to compare yourself, compare yourself to Jesus Christ. That's it. Right, that's it. That's the only thing that's going to cure that, that sin. of compare, compare yourself to Jesus, and then you're going to realize your sin really is a big deal. It really is ugly. Okay? 
Third reason I think we buy into this lie as Christians, um, and I, again, I, I think it's crazy, but it's true, it's that the pleasure of sin is immediate and the consequence of sin is often delayed, Right? And the pleasure of sin is immediate and the consequence is often delayed. I think back to the garden and what does the serpent say to Eve? He's like, surely you won't die. It's no big deal. Your sin's not a big deal. Eve, you're not going to die. Your eyes are going to be open, right? That's what's going to happen. So she takes the fruit. She sees it's pleasing to the eye. She eats it. And guess what? She didn't die. She didn't die immediately. I mean, she didn't like just kill. It wasn't like an Ananias and Sapphira thing. So she kind of thinks, man, I got away with it. Can't you imagine? She takes a bite and she's like, oh, that's not so bad. Oh, look, my eyes are open, right? And the consequence comes later. And she, she loses that intimacy with God, right? Now, she, now, now, now kids are going to hurt. Um, thank you, Eve, ladies. You can just thank her. Thank her for all that. It's a pain that epidural won't take away. Um, just saying, right? God bless you all, by the way. Thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, but the consequence is going to come later. I, I heard it said once that nobody ever plans to embezzle millions of dollars. It never starts out that way. It starts out as somebody's like a money manager and they're watching somebody's money and they make a bad call. Right? They're trying to increase and worry about performance and they're trying to outperform what they've done before. And so they make a bad call and all of a sudden they make a bad call and they find themselves in a bad place. And there's only one way to fix that bad place because they're worried about, is, is, well, I can just fudge this one number and I can cover it up and it's going to be okay. And so they do it just the one time just to get out of that sticky situation, promising themselves, I will never do this again. I will ne- this is going to be a one-time thing. I'm just, and so so they, they, they sin and you know what happens? It seems like they got away with it. What happens is everybody's happy. What happens is they don't get caught at first. And so they think, man, this sin thing is really not so bad. And this cheating thing, this lying thing, it's really not that big of a deal. And so it happens again, and it happens again, and it happens again. And by the time they finally get found out, they are millions in dollars. Millions in dollars in, like, like in debt. They're, they're going to prison for a long, long time, right? They, it never starts with the idea Man, I'm, I'm going to fraud people. I'm going to defraud people out of millions and millions of money. It starts with this one little cover-up. And when it happens, the consequence doesn't come right away. They think, man, it's not that big of a deal. Listen, maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you came in this morning, and the truth is you've got sin in your life that you feel like you have just been a master at covering up, right? Um, I, 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 my, my, my brother Brandon's here. He paints. And um, when Brandon paints, like he has this technique uh, with latex caulk. I mean, it's, it's really special. Um, I'm going to give his trade secret, right? He puts the caulk and then a little bit of spit, and it, it's like the perfect, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I'm just, like, if you've ever tried to fix holes not with caulk, and you use the spat, the, 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 um, the stuff, right, yeah, the spackle stuff, right, then you have to come back, that has to dry, and then you got to come back, and you got to sand, and it's like this, this, oh, it's like, I'm gone, this is ridiculous, I'd rather just hang new drywall, but if you take some latex caulk and just the right amount of spit and you cover it up, you can paint over that sucker pretty quick, right? Just saying. Maybe some of you, spiritually speaking, you're really good at covering up the holes in your life, right? And you kind of feel like, man, I've gotten away with it so far. Nobody has found me out yet. But I want to tell you that there is a time coming when you will be found out. Solomon, who was the wisest man next to Jesus to walk the face of the planet, said this in Ecclesiastes. It says, for God will bring every act into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. Once you know, a time is coming where you'll be found out. Like, like you can't hide it forever. Jesus actually took that a step further. He says this, uh, speaking of 
sin, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, he says, I tell you on that day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word, not just for their deeds. They're gonna, they're gonna be, we're gonna be held accountable for every careless word we have spoken. See, a lot of Christians are um, confused when it comes to judgment. Uh, and, and that's because the Bible actually talks about a couple judgments. So uh, there will be a judgment that's about whether or not you're in or out of the kingdom of God. And, and that's the separation. That's a, 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 kind of the separation of the sheep and the goats. And anyone that has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ has been saved by the grace of God. They, they, they are put over on the side with the sheep. And, and God's going to say to them, and come and be with me in paradise. Like, it's going to be awesome. That's great. That's where you want to be. But uh, the, the, the tragedy, the, the goats, it says, are going to be basically let off into the lake of fire. Now, that's not pleasant. That's not ooey-gooey. We don't like to talk about that. But that's one judgment. But then get this. Even the sheep after that, get this, they are going to be judged, right? They're going to be judged. They're going to stand before Christ. And like we said in 1 Corinthians 3, they're going to have to give account of everything that they have done. And, and, and listen, all of the work that they have done is going to face refinement at that point. And, and either the stuff that they did in Christ will last, and the Bible says they will get it as a reward. Hello? I want to build with gold and silver, amen? Like, I, like, like Jesus is like, that will la- that'll last forever. If you do it on your own and by yourself, it may look pretty to men, ain't going to be worth a dime. Now, you're, you're still saved. You're up on the rock of Jesus, but you're going to lose the reward. So I don't know about you. I want to build with the things that matter. I want to build for the things that matter. I want to be abiding in Christ. And so I want to, I want to talk about the lie one last time. My lie is, uh, my sin is not a big deal. Right, that's a lie. We've talked about why we buy into it. We, I've given you a ton of scripture that refutes that lie. So here's the truth, ready? The truth is my sin is a big deal because Jesus had to die for it. Listen to me, friends. We live in this world that says like, hey, every sin is not the same. We kind of weigh and balance them. And then there are Christians like, no, all sins are the same. You're actually both right and both wrong. Legally speaking, all sin is the same. Jesus had to die even for the little white line. So, so legally speaking, all sin is the same in one sense. But Jesus also said, which sin is greater? Right? He said there are greater sins. For instance, like if, if, if a guy uh, had a lustful thought about another woman, that's like not good. Jesus is like, that's adultery in, in your heart, right? But if he acted out on that, I guarantee his wife would care more about that. Right? Like it would have greater consequence. Okay? But, but here's what I want you to understand no matter whether it was what you think is quote-unquote big or what you think is quote-unquote little, legally speaking, Jesus had to die for all sin. Every single one, even the stuff that we think is not a big deal, Jesus had to die for. Therefore, it is a big deal. Secondly, I would say my sin is a big deal because it breaks my fellowship with God. It affects my fruitful, fruitfulness with God. If you wanted to add to that, right, you could talk about your reward in heaven. Therefore, my sin is a big deal. So what do we do? When we, when, we, when we come to this understanding, we've kind of been woken up by the Holy Spirit, like, oh, this is not good. I need to do something about this. I do have sin in my life. Uh, like, I'm not loving this message, but, but I know I need to deal with it. What do I do? Uh, well, remember, it's really, really crucial that we take the lie we've believed and we replace it with the truth of God's word. So I'm going to give you some things this week. I'm going to ask you to do so, uh, two of these things you have to do daily. Okay? Everybody, under- this is daily. You guys understand? I'm talking, you have to do them daily. Everybody understand? Some of you are not moving your heads. I got all the time in the world. I can go back on NFL.com and watch all the Texans highlights I miss. It's okay. All right. 
So here's the first two. I'm gonna ask you to do them daily. And the very first one is daily this week. I want you to memorize John 14, 15. So you gotta work on it every day. Uh, I'm gonna be honest with you. It is a very easy verse. We have, our, we have kingdom kids here in the church that uh, they memorize scripture like crazy. I think they memorize 20 scriptures every uh, year. And um, their verses are long and arduous, okay? This is not that. This is one of the easiest verses to remember. John 14, 15 says this. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Jesus speaking. She says, why is my sin a big deal? Well, my sin is a big deal because it's an offense to God because Jesus had to die for it. But ultimately, my sin is a big deal because it shows whether or not I truly love God, right? Because Jesus just simply says, like, if you love me, you're just gonna obey what I say. You're just gonna do what I say. And so as Christians, we can't say, well, I'm covered by the grace of God. I love Jesus. We can't come to gatherings like this and just sing with all of our hearts, I love you, Lord. Woo, I love you, I love you. I'm gonna sing it a hundred different ways this morning. I love you. And I'm gonna walk out of this place and act like you don't matter to me at all. Because you can't be that kind of person. You just can't be, right? So, so we have to memorize this verse. We've got to replace the lie that we have believed, like my sin's not a big deal with the truth of God's word. My sin is a big deal. And Jesus says, if I love him, I'll obey him. I'll love him if I, if, if, if I love him, I'll obey him. Okay, I'm just going to work on this. Jesus said, if I love you, I'll obey what you command. All right, so the, that's the first thing you do. Here's the second thing you want, I want you to do. Now, again, this is daily. This is daily. So daily, I want to give you one passage to read all week. Some of you didn't know what to read next week in your Bible, and I've just helped you out. You say, thanks. Um, I want you to read uh, and meditate on John 21, 15 through 19. So John 21, 15 through 19, what that is, is uh, Jesus restoring Peter. So Jesus has risen from the grave. He appears at the edge of the lake. Uh, the disciples see him. Peter jumps out of the rope. He swims to him, right? And then Jesus has this, this conversation where we see on full display what, what speaking truth and love looks like, right? So he's going to speak truth to him because he loves him. He's going to say, Peter, Peter, you denied me three times. Let me ask you this. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Okay, then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? I mean, for every time he's, he's going to look him in the face. So here's what we're going to meditate on. As you read that passage this week, as you begin to think these thoughts, I want you to put yourself in Peter's shoes. And let Jesus speak to you, right? He says, Jacob, do you love me? And Jacob's going to go, yeah, Lord, you know I love you. And then just allow that verse that you've memorized to slip right in there. Then obey my commands. Josh, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then obey my commands, right? We're just gonna, just gonna work through it. Tom, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then obey my commands, all right? Everybody got it? You're gonna memorize? Okay, we're gonna meditate, so we're gonna do that. Last thing we're gonna do this week, uh, you don't have to do this every single day, but it would be very helpful if you did it every single day. Maybe you don't do this every day. Um, because you're not tempted to compare. But if uh, you are like others in this room, like the guy talking to you right now, you have a tendency to either compare yourself to who you used to be or compare yourself to others, then every time you are tempted to compare, I want you to look to Jesus instead. Why? That's the one you're supposed to compare yourself to, right? What did Jesus say? Right? Be perfect. Be perfect. It's your fathers. Be perfect. That, that's, that's, that's the call. That's the call. Everybody got it? All right, good. Join me in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, um, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. It is not easy to uh, take in this morning. Lord, some of it we would like to run from. Some of it we would like to ignore, but the truth is that we need it. 
And so God, we're thankful this morning for your word, for for you speaking truth over us and into us. And I pray this morning for anybody here that has been in the middle of this battle. They know that in their flesh that they have been um, walking through and trudging through the muck and the mire of the world that they've been kind of living in and out of sin. Um, But they love you. I just pray that lovingly you would remind them like this morning, hey, your sin is a big deal. I do want to deal with it. I want to teach you how to walk in newness of life. And so God, this morning, would you do that? Would you just minister to our hearts? Would you help us turn to you and choose to walk in newness of life? In Jesus' name, we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.